Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you guys so much for joining us here for another episode, wherever in the world you're listening to us from, whatever platform you're listening to us on. As I say every episode, thank you guys so much for the support. Thank you for sharing this podcast, and thank you so much for the kind messages that you guys have sent to me. Really appreciate it, and looking forward to getting into this episode. This episode, uh, like others I've done in the past on it, is one of my favorite topics because it deals with culture, deals with program building, and all of the almost in a sense, non-basketball stuff that makes his coaching profession great. We're going to talk today about the topic of having a family atmosphere for your program and what that looks like, what that means, maybe some of the challenges that were involved. But then also, if you as a coach listening right now, are trying to build that atmosphere and trying to build up that positivity and build up that culture uh, to get some ideas for, from our guests as we have our discussion. And if you do have a great culture and if your team does have that family atmosphere, then, hey, you might share some similarities with my guest, or there might be some new ideas that, that you might get to even bolster what you already got going on. Either way, I, I know that anybody listening is going to get something out of this. So to discuss this topic of this family atmosphere, I'm very happy to be joined by the head boys basketball coach for the, and I want to make sure I emphasis the, McDonough High School, Coach BJ Thomas. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Thanks, Coach, for having me. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. Doing well. Like I said, I love talking about culture. I love talking about program building in this sense, building up uh, the, the, these young adults we get to work with. So excited to get into this one. Coach, let's go ahead and get started with uh, your coaching journey, your basketball journey. Where, where's the game taking you and, and what were the steps along the way that eventually led you to McDonough? All right, so I've been coaching for about 20 years, a little over 20 years now. Um, I started real young. I started, uh, I was still in college, and I was about 20 years old. Um, it was interesting because I remember I was trying to figure out, I was in college, but I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life, honestly. I was just, it was, I was I grew up in one of those houses where uh, you were going to college. It wasn't an option. Mm -hmm. So, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and I was, in, I was actually in my third year in college. Uh, and I'm like, I, I'm in college, but I'm not really motivated. I'm barely hanging on GPA wise because I just had no motivation because I just didn't know why I was there. And I remember hanging out with a couple of friends. And one of them, we all went to middle school and high school together. And one of them said, hey, man, I'm coaching now. Coach, okay. He said, at our middle school. I said, oh, okay. And he was telling me about it. And I remember when he said it, it was like a light bulb went off in my head. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to coach. Like, it, it, it just like, hit me right then at that moment. But I wanted to be a basketball coach. I played basketball in high school. You know, I wasn't I wasn't gonna be a college player. So I wasn't playing college, but I still loved the game and I wanted to be around it. But I didn't for some reason coaching never clicked. I didn't know in what capacity I could be involved. Like I'm not a player anymore. How can I be involved in basketball? And he said it, I remember it was like something clicked in my head and it just started from there. And I got a, a job coaching the ninth grade girls team that next season. And uh, just kind of, you know, that was my first. I've coached that school for about four years in Cincinnati. It's about in Cincinnati, that's where I was born and raised in Cincinnati, and uh, coached there for a few years. I actually took a year off to finish college because mm. I, my last year of school schedule didn't really work out with coaching, so I took a year off from coaching, got my degree, and then got back in it. And at that point, I, I started coaching boys. 
um, Boys High School at school. Then I left there uh, after I was there about three seasons. Uh, ended up at another school, and then after that, so this is around. So I started, I guess, it was around '99 when I started coaching. Okay. So, and then I would say around 2008 is was my last year coaching at Cincinnati. Uh, I coached at three different schools. Like I said, I coached at a private school, all girls school, and then I coached at two other private schools. You know, coaching boys there. In 2008, uh, you know, I moved to Georgia with my wife and my kids. Um, my wife was pregnant with my my youngest. My uh, I had three kids. My youngest, uh, my daughter, she uh, just turned 13. And I have a 14 year old son. And I have a 17 year old son. And so uh, my wife was pregnant with with my daughter. And uh, so my younger son was like one years old. And then mm-hmm. my older son was like three, four. So you know, family was still really young. Yeah. And um, we decided to make the move, you know, to Georgia. Uh, the first year here, I didn't coach. I didn't know anybody in Georgia in terms of coaching or anything like that. So I had no connections. Um, I tried to get in with the school I was at. The coach told me he was full on the staff and didn't really, you know, have any room. Even as a volunteer, I was willing to volunteer, but he said he didn't have room. So wow. Hey. Yeah, no, I was like, okay. <laughs> so I said, okay, that's fine. And, and um, then they made a coaching change. The principal uh, made a coaching change and brought in a new coach. And um, that coach was like, and I, I hate it because I got with that coach later. I tried to get with him earlier, like summer, and I could never get his information. <laughs> By the time I got with hey, him, he had hired all. Yes, and he had hired all his coaches. And uh, but he was different. He was like, I said, I would like to coach. I mean, he said, well, our staff is full. I said. I can just volunteer and help out. And he was like, yeah. he said, if you're interested in doing that, that's fine. We, you know, we welcome more help. So I was like, okay, great. So that's how I started coaching here in Georgia. Uh, at, uh, I was at Benjamin Banneker High School, and I coached there for uh, three seasons. Yeah, about three seasons I was there. Um, and then I, my teaching job got, uh, got surplused. I was in Fulton County where they, they – were transferring me to another school, but this school was so far from where I live, <laughs> like a, at least an hour ride. Oh man! You know, I did everything with my calendar. Like, please, can y'all let me go somewhere else? Like, <laughs> they just wouldn't budge. So I just, I just applied for other schools, and I found another school that was closer. And perfectly on time, they needed a JV boys basketball coach, and I was like, oh wow, this can't be more perfect than this. So I became a JV boys basketball coach there at North Clayton High School. And uh, coached there for two years, and then finally got my first head coaching opportunity. Uh, this is 2014. Now, I got my first opportunity as a head varsity coach uh, at uh, Jasper County High School in Monticello, Georgia, and uh, coached there for three seasons. And then now I'm at McDonough. This is my. Um, I started at McDonough in 2017, 2017-2018. Uh, so this is my one of my. This is my fifth season at the school. Um, I'm loving it. You know, Monticello, um, I was blessed to come. I came in, you know, I believe everything happens in perfect timing. God has everything for you in the timing it's supposed to happen. So I came in Monticello at the time where there were some good players there. Yeah. And uh, they hadn't been to the – when I got there, they hadn't been to the playoffs in 14 seasons. And we made the playoffs my first season. You know, we did. We were bouncing with the third seed. We got bouncing first round. Um, but it was still a, a you know an accomplishment for the program to reach the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Which they had, yeah, which they hadn't done in 14 years. And then the next season, um, we re- made it all the way to the state final four, which hadn't happened in 27 years there. And so that was obviously a, a big accomplishment. It was a big deal in the town, and 
if I was excited for me being only my second year as a head coach <laughs> and to go to the final four, it's like, wow, that is this really happened. <laughs> like I couldn't believe it. And then uh, the next year we made it to a sweet 16 and lost. Um, and then I, you know, end up now I'm here at McDonough high school, which was interesting enough. It was Henry County high school was where I got hired. Henry County high school. Uh, they closed down that school moved us to another building and changed our names with the same people, but different names. So Henry County high school became McDonough high school. So okay. and I say it's my fifth year. So, I, and I want to clarify that because if I say it's my fifth season, somebody <laughs> can look it up and say, this school isn't even five years old. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Oh, this, yeah. is third, this is the third year of okay. the building. I see. Right. But it did transfer. It was Henry County high school, which no longer exists. Henry County high school is now McDonough high school. So that's okay. why it's been yeah, so got if anybody it. looks it up, you think I'm lying. I'm not lying. <laughs> got <laughs> it, got it. That's yeah. funny. And so that's where I'm at now. And, uh, we, you know, we reached the state Final Four last year and uh, returned 10 players from that team. Uh, of course, expectations are really high coming in this year. And uh, we're pretty good with 13-1 now, so we've gotten off to a good start. And we're just trying to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And and speaking of the just the idea of keep going, you talked about how you were you you came into the program and and things were things were rolling well and and was able to get to you talked about getting in the final four there in those first couple of seasons and then as you know, boom, you know, 2020, a lot happens and 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 we're still in the midst yeah. of everything uh covid-wise and pandemic-wise and since our, our our topic is about the idea of having a family atmosphere, I want to talk about, you know, the elephant in the room there and how how the pandemic and how um that whole situation that not only did you go through last year, but are still kind of co going through, how did it kind of change or challenge um, your, your, your team's family atmosphere and how did they have to kind of grow and how did you and the program kind of have to grow and persevere through uh, everything that's happened and I guess is still happening right now? Yeah, what, what made it even tougher for us is that <clears throat> so that the team that I had the year before the pandemic, I had seven seniors on that team. Mm -hmm. So I graduated a lot. So the team last year was really young. Um, I had, you know, guys that had played JV that hadn't played really significant varsity minutes. I had um, another kid that transferred in from another school. He was a sophomore and a good player, but he um, he had come from a, a small private school where the competition level wasn't quite the same. So it was still kind of new to him. I had a freshman who ended up starting for us on varsity, good player, but still a freshman is a freshman. And so, it was challenging in that regard because you are, I was already I was already bringing a lot of new pieces together, and then we were limited. You know, we had to start our workouts later than normal. There were no summer games. We're used to doing summer practices. So all that stuff went out the window, um, and then and they finally kind of started letting us work out. But understandably, some parents were leery and didn't let the kids work out first. You know, which I understood and. So you kind of had to deal with all of that. If we eventually got everybody, and so our numbers were really small last year, just in general as a program, uh, because we were virtual. So you didn't have many kids in the school. So there was no finding a young kid in the building that might can play on your JV or something. It was none of that because there was nobody in the building. And, and when they started <laughs> yeah. letting some kids come to the building, it was very few. Um, Trying to get the word out of tryouts and workouts because there's no putting on the, on the morning announcements because there's nobody near to hear the announcement. So you're trying to get out and send it up word of mouth. And so, yeah, all that stuff made it tough and, and, and it makes it harder to build that family atmosphere because it was so hard to get everybody together. Sure. Of course. Uh, to, to even, to even build that. So, um, and it wasn't a, 
animosity thing. There was nobody, nobody had any beef with anybody or anything. They just didn't know each other. So <laughs> yeah, it did. It, so it definitely, it definitely made it a little more difficult when you have to, uh, when you had the pandemic keeping you separate, and yet you're trying to bring them closer. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those like really interesting situations where, where like you said, and I know I've experienced that with my program too. It was like when we lost. Uh, as many seniors as we did, it was like we, there was this like disconnect with like the players who were coming into the program, right? And it was like, oh wait a minute, like you you don't you don't even know like who I am. You haven't really seen me. You're not around in the school halls or at all. It was like everything just sort of went like dark for a little bit. And it was you know I think a lot of programs are kind of going through that. But it sounds like now, like as as you're talking about the success you've been having so far this season, that it seems like your program has sort of gotten itself back on track, gotten its feet under it, and and, and you've been able to kind of recreate or, or still maintain that atmosphere? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and this year, it's, it's really been good because, as I mentioned, we that was a new group last year, but 10 of them, you know, came back. Only lost two seniors off last year's team. Now you have all these guys coming back who knew each other, who played together that year, who made a great Final Four run on a year. You know, last year was our down year. On paper, last year was supposed to be my worst team on paper. Mm. A um, lot of inexperience, a lot of youth, guys that just didn't have varsity experience. So we were supposed to not be very good. And we, we started off that way. We, we were below 500 um, through the Christmas break. And then I think I think Christmas, at, right at the end of Christmas break, we finally broke 500. And we stayed above 500 the rest of the way. Uh, but our record wasn't stellar. I think we ended the regular season with maybe 15 wins. I think we ended up with some of the rain. We, we ended the, the, the year total, including the Final Four, with 18 wins. So, I let you know, we didn't have a lot of wins in the regular season. We just kind of barely finished above 500. Uh -huh. um, but we went on that, you know, great run in the in the tournament. And, that's, and that did a lot for their confidence to say, and they looked around and said, wow, we reached this Final Four with all this inexperience. Now we're all coming back next year. Well, man, what can we yeah. do with it? Yeah. And, and so, and, and they, and it definitely, so this year, uh, keeping that family atmosphere going has been easier. Because they, they they've been around each other for a long time now, and and they, and they like each other, and they enjoy each other's company, and they all want to win and be state champions. So mm. it's, it hasn't been as difficult this year as it maybe has been in years past. Yeah, uh, and and that's that's always cool when you when your team has like that not only that. Uh great amount of success but then it's like they're all like coming back pretty much the next year too it's like all right let's run it back and let's do it again like that that's such a fun situation to be in to know like you can keep going and keep building on what you had before well, that's awesome yeah. Yeah, um, that's, that helps a lot yep. so so let's just talk about in the general sense uh, for those listening so they get they can paint the picture of, of what goes on there at mcdonough about about the concept of family what, what when you hear that term and then this was a term i know that, that you you were passionate about the idea of having a family atmosphere what what is what does that term family mean to you and how did that message kind of get carried and and conveyed to your team so to me it just means that we as a group we, we have to treat our bond, our group as something sacred, right? So your bond with your teammates and your coaches, all of us as a staff and include managers, everybody who's a part of what we're trying to build, um, that has to be important to you and you have to, uh, you have to revere it and you have to respect it. So, you know, that, that part of that is, I'm not, I don't allow others to talk down about my team, about my teammates or whatever, right? because we're a, we're a family. And I always compare it to their, 
blood families so they can kind of get the picture of what I'm talking about. So I'll tell them like if they have a sibling or something, I say, hey, especially when I have siblings that are on the team, it's easy for me to point it out. So I say, hey, this is your brother right here. Do you ever get mad at him? Yeah, of course. Y'all ever fight? Whether verbal or physical? Yeah, sometimes I say, well, we, we fight physical fight, we physically fight, we haven't done that in a long time, or yeah, we argue. I say, now, but if you guys are out in public somewhere and somebody else is trying to fight your brother, you gonna stand around for that? And of course, they're like, well, no, of course not. You know, that's exactly, and, that, and that's what you have to understand. Us being family, it doesn't mean we're always gonna uh, be pleased with each other. Doesn't mean we're always going to get along. I tell them sometimes you're going to be mad at me as your coach. Sometimes I'm going to be mad at you, and 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 it, it happens that way. Coaches, we don't always agree with each other on everything. Like, yeah. so I, I try to make sure they understand. Family doesn't mean it's going to be kumbaya at all times with us. It's not. Sometimes you're going to be like, this coach gets on my nerves, man. I'm getting sick of that. Like you're going to think that sometime, and it's okay. <laughs> and I'm going to think that about you sometime. <laughs> say, why did I? Ooh, he's getting my, you know. But when we're family, we get past that. Stuff. We understand that, you know, we have a bond that's much deeper than that, and we can get over that. And and and, and again, I might feel that way uh, about you, but I'm not going to let anybody else do it. I remember uh, three years, my last year in the old building, when I said we were Henry County High School, mm-hmm. we, we got upset in the first. We were the two seed. You know, we were expected to make a deep run in, in the playoffs, and we got upset in the first round. We, we, we just played a horrible game. And so one of my players, you know, and he didn't have a great game, um, he knows it, and I know it. Um, you know, but it is what it is. Well, I, somebody sent me a message the next day. They said, "Do you see what people are saying about your guys on Twitter?" I hadn't, because we got upset. I purposely didn't check social media. I was like, "I don't see anything negative, so I'm not checking." Yeah. So I'm like, "No." So I check, and somebody, and I think it's some some person lonely just created a burner account because I, I never saw this person's account prior to this moment, and I haven't seen them since. Oh, one and, of those. Okay. <laughs> exactly. And they tweeted a picture of this particular player with some very disparaging remarks about him and his game that night. And I was livid. And I immediately responded to him, letting him know, like, you're not about to sit on here and talk about my players like this and that. And we had, like, a a kind of a back-and-forth exchange. Um, And then he eventually blocked me. You know, on the Twitter, <laughs> and I reached out to other. I reached out to my athletic director and our county AD, and I was like, "Somebody needs like, no, he's not about to put this about my players." And they did kind of go into research. Eventually, I think they got the account taken down or something. But that's what I mean by family. Like, I might be upset at a player of mine, but you're you're not their coach. You're not part of our family, so you're not going to put them out there. Because I would one thing I wouldn't put them out publicly anyway. Like, I would never do that. That's family. And part of family is defending one another. So, you know, when I saw that being said about my player, I said, that I'm not going to stand for. I don't care. Yeah. And it was important to me that my players see that and understand that um, and that they feel that way about each other. Like, you have to have your teammates back. That's family. You Just like you have your mother's back, your father's back, your brother, your sister. That's how this has got to be. And I stress that the importance of that um with our team um at all times you know you don't let anybody disrespect your teammate because we are family and, and, and if you're not willing to view us like family then this isn't the right atmosphere for you because mm-hmm. i view it as a family i don't view it as we're just teammates and that's it i don't view it that way i view it as, as family and as we are developing a lifelong bond you know even when you i tell my players that even when you graduate it doesn't mean we have to talk every day or anything like that i'm not expecting that but you are still part of my extended family. 
you know, you don't play for me anymore, but I still care about what happens to you and what you're doing with your life. And if you have kids, I want to meet your kids. Like that's, that's true family. You know, it's not, you don't play for me anymore. So, Hey, what does it matter? Like, you know, I genuinely, genuinely care about you as a human being. And I want them to understand they have to view each other that same way. Yeah. And it's, I, I think one of the things that, that I, I know some coaches, you know, they, they, they might struggle with a, a little bit. And so I'm, I'm going to kind of pivot and ask you this question because you brought it up a couple of times. It's a fair point with family. You know, you're not always going to uh, agree all the time. And there's going to be times, like you said, where, you know, maybe like teammates are going to get into it a little bit with each other. And, and at the end of the day, as you said, though, they, they'll have each other's back. But there's going to be some moments where, where they're going to, you know, get upset at each other and, you know, get, get, get frustrated for one reason or the other. So, so I wanted to ask how have you kind of maintained it where players can potentially, you know, get frustrated with each other, get upset with each other, but not have it be a situation where it, it, it carries over and, and, you know, ruins, you know, the, the team chemistry or ruins the team atmosphere and how are, are your players able to sort of recompose themselves and then play and have each other's back when maybe sometimes it gets a little heated or there's disagreements? Yeah. One thing that helps is that a lot of my players are actually friends off the court, you know, without me. So, when, you, when you're already friends off the court without me, then a lot of that stuff kind of fixes itself without me having to intervene at all. Like, I see them get mad at each other, but I know these two hang out, so they're going to be fine after practice. I don't really have to say anything. Um, now, and there are times when you, when you might see it going a little too far. Uh, there are times when you might feel like, okay, well, these two aren't necessarily friends. They're not enemies but they're not friends, so theirs might not be as easy to resolve. So if I there's a there's a line between, you know, having intensity in practice and things like that and being disrespectful. And so I let my players get intense with each other. I let them get angry at each other. I let them get physical and do some shoving and pushing that doesn't go too far because that's just part of what they do as part of the game. Now, if the language of things become disrespectful, then that's when I step in and say, whoa, 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 whoa. like, no, you – you, you don't talk to your teammate like that. Don't do this. Like, so I won't let it go too far because again, even with family, there are limits. You might get mad at your brother. Just, you know, my, my kids, I have three kids myself. They get mad at each other, of course, <laughs> but they know there are certain things that they're, they know we're not going to tolerate hearing them say to one another. Um, if we hear something like that, we're going to step in and say, Oh no, you don't, you don't talk to your sister like that. You don't talk to your brother like that. Oh uh, y'all can argue all you want to that. That, that happens. But there's a certain level of respect that has to be maintained. And I think that, and that's one of the things that I stress, you know, I'll give them some leeway uh, when, you know, because I demand a lot in practice and I demand intensity. I demand they play hard. So you can't demand that and then not expect that, Hey, tempers are going to flare sometimes. In yeah. practice, and they do. But as long as nothing gets disrespectful, I let it go. But if I see it becoming disrespectful, now I've, I've had to, I've had to pull players to the side sometimes who I could tell that their language was too much for their teammates. And I told them, listen, you got to watch how you're talking to them. They're not, people aren't going to respond to you that way. You know, you're trying to get them to play better, but the way you're saying it isn't going to work. You've got to change the way you're saying it. And and I think for the most part, uh, players will respond to that. And don't, players who want to win and who, you know, who want to be successful, they will listen and respond to that. Or players who actually aren't trying to be mean, because it's not always... 
players trying to be mean or trying to be jerks. Sometimes they just get emotional and don't think about what they're saying. And you got to remind them. Um, and so for the most part, it, it, they always respond positively to me in that regard and they will adjust. Okay, well, let me watch how I'm saying it. So I just, and and, and I think part of that comes for like, like you were saying, like you as a coach also got to kind of like know your players well enough and understand like, hey, you know, I know as a coach what I need to say to this one particular player or how that, you know, one particular player needs to be motivated or what I can and can't say to them. So then, as you mentioned, that you'll know like, OK, if one of their teammates is talking to them a way that. I know they're not going to respond to then then I can pull them aside. It seems like it's important for you as a coach to also like know who your players are individually and their personalities. So that way, you know, like exactly when, you know, somebody's saying something to them that they're not going to take well. Yeah. And, and, and that's part of the, you know, the leadership that I have to show as a coach um, because I know, as you mentioned, every player is different. There are some players that I know the best way to get the best out of them is that I just got to get in them and go off and it works for them. And I know other players that's going to have the exact opposite effect and they're going to bury their head in the sand and they're not going to be able to perform. And so I have to know the difference. I say, okay, this player I can scream and yell at and he actually probably needs me to scream and yell at him because nothing else works. <laughs> However, this other player, I can't do that to him. I got it. And, and, and that's what I tell point guards. I'm very hard on my point guards because they're leaders of the court. And I yes. told them that you've got to understand you cannot talk to all of your teammates. You can yell at him and say that to him. And even though he might get mad at you, it's not going to really bother him. He's just going to do what he's doing. But if you say it to this other player, you're going to hurt his confidence. And now he's not going to play well. So you've got to understand who you're talking to as the point guard out there, as the leader, and know what buttons to push or which player to get the best out of them. Um, and so I think I have to demonstrate that as a coach. And then when I demonstrate that, um, then, I, then I can show them how I'm doing. See, look, this is how I'm dealing with this player. I don't deal with this player that way. You've got to understand that as a leader. Mm -hmm. um, and that's well, that's I, I, what I try to stress. Yeah, and, and, and your players, I'm sure they notice that right away because I'm sure they know that, like, hey, you know, I noticed that, you know, coach talks to this one player this way. And, man, coach, you know, rips into this other player the other way. But – if it works for them, it works for them. And, and I also just as an aside, I agree with you about the point guard part. I, I feel like uh, my, my point guards uh, get, get the most of uh, um, the, I, I don't know how to word this, my passionate <laughs> speeches oh, yeah, or my passionate conversations definitely get directed yeah. at my point guards a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think they, and they've got to be able to take that. And I tell them that, like, you're the leader of the team, so you've got to be able to, you know, take that. I'm going to be hard. And I tell them, I'm going to be harder on you than, than, the other players most of the time, you know, because you're usually the leader. Now, sometimes, and I tell players this, sometimes the point guard isn't necessarily the, the main leader. It, it aren't always. Mm -hmm. um, but most times they are. Like last year, you know, um, I told you I had a freshman start, and he, he started a point guard. Well, it was only so hard I could be on him. He was a true freshman, you know, oh, that yeah. never <laughs> played varsity a day in his life. So I wasn't as hard on him as I was on previous point guards who had more experience because he was inexperienced. So a lot of his mistakes, I had to just kind of deal with and, and uh, correct him in different ways because I'm like, he's learning. He's going to make – and I told my staff at the start of the year, I said, he's a freshman. He's going to make a lot of mistakes. I said, and we're just going to have to deal with it. We're going to have to ride with him and push through as he learns on the fly. Uh, and it's just going to happen. We got to understand that. So I had to – and he had, some, he had some bad games earlier. He had some stinkers, you know. But by the end of the yeah. year – he was playing great, and he ended up winning freshman of the year in the state of Georgia. Um, 
because we stuck with it and let him. So with him, I was I was harder on the non-point guards who were older than him than I was him because I said, yes, he's a point guard. I said, he might initiate the offense. And I thought, I said, well, y'all, he's not going to lead this team. He's ready to do that. His only yeah. job is just to initiate the offense right now. He's he's not ready to be a leader. I need you other guys who have played for me, even though they didn't all have a lot of varsity experience, but they had a little bit, and they had played in my program, so they at least knew me and knew my program. I said, I, so I expected more out of them. So you got to be able to adjust to every situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't imagine, you know, put, putting the weight on the world on a true freshman's shoulder saying, all right, you're the leader. You got, you got to tell everybody what's going on and right. how, how, exactly. things, he how business he gets do done. <laughs> yeah, now, his leadership now as a sophomore is great. Oh, I'm on the sure. Court, on the court, I mean, he, he directs traffic as well as anybody. So, he, but, you know, I had to let him roll into that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when, when you first stepped in, in into the program, uh, did you find that creating that family atmosphere, was that something that was was pretty um, easy for you to do? Or, or were there some challenges that you had to face on the way? Or were there any bumps in the road from getting the atmosphere the way you wanted it? There were definitely some challenges, especially my first year in uh, Henry County. There were some challenges. There was because so it, it was it, it was interesting dynamic because when I took over, the team had gone to the state final four the year before. However, they had graduated most of that team. Okay. Um, and so we weren't expected to do very well at all. They had graduated like 10 seniors off that team. So it was, I was, I mean, people told me to my face, y'all aren't going to be any good. Like, I just, whatever I said, you're not going <laughs> to be good. good. <laughs> um, and, and I honestly wasn't sure when I took the job. I took it though because it was, it was in my community, it was closer to my home. So I said, okay, this might be a little rebuild, but it's okay. You know, we'll get, and, um, but we ended up being way better. We ended up, you know, make it to the state playoffs. We finished second in the region, 18, 18 win season. Um, because I had, you know, there were like there was a couple of guys who didn't play the previous year because they were ineligible from transfer. Okay. So there were like three guys like that that I didn't know about that people weren't counting on that would have played varsity the year before. They just went eligible. So I'm like, okay, these guys, and then you had because their varsity was so good the previous year. You had some really good kids that were on the JV that probably would have played varsity at a lot of other places. Mm. Um, and had another kid who had come off with an injury the year before that would have been a varsity level player. So there were a lot of hidden gems when I came there. But the problem is, there was also with that group, I think a lot of, um, I don't think jealousy is the word that I want to use, but there definitely, were, there definitely were a lot of egos and a lot of guys who thought they should be the guy. And with so many, with us losing so many people from the year before, you know, you had three or four guys that thought, okay, this is my team now this year. Okay, yeah. And with me being a new coach, they all wanted to show the new coach that they're the guy. And so there was part <laughs> of that because I had to come in, you know, I remember that summer because I had no idea who was who, who could play. So, like, I literally took 20 players to the summer games to play because I had no idea who could play. And I didn't want to cut anybody. Because I was yeah. like, I don't know. I might cut the wrong person. So, <laughs> yeah, can't get them all out there, yeah. So just so just imagine playing summer games and trying to get minutes of 20 guys. That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I tried the best I could through games. Like, I had to tell some of some of you, this game, I'm just not going to play some of you. you I, I said, I can't play 20 guys in one yeah. game. It's just no way possible to do it. But I, I said, but I don't want to cut y'all because I don't know who can play yet. I just, I'm giving you all the chance. So, um, but it was tough because there were a lot of people who thought, they were supposed to be the guy. It was their year, and I had to – and that year, I really worked really hard on trying to build team chemistry and character. You know, I spent one day a week on just that, 
every Wednesday was character day. And we just, I heard about another coach that did that. I was like, I'm gonna try that. And uh, I had a guy that we even come in and do lessons with them. And it was, and that was re really what it was. Like I was really trying to get these guys to build that, that team bond. But it, it, and it, I don't think it ever really worked the way I wanted it to that first year. Um, again, they, they weren't enemies. They didn't hate each other. Just but could the kind bond of feel I it. wanted with the team, it never really quite clicked. Uh -huh. I think there was just too many, too many agendas that first year. Um, as they were learning me and I was learning them, uh, it became really difficult to get past that. Um, and and so yeah, that was tough. And then you know the next year was a little better. Um, you know, that team and we you know we won a lot more games. We won twenty five games that year, but that was the year like I said we got upset in the first round. Um, so there was still, you know, last year, honestly, was probably the first season uh, here where I think there were none of those issues. And I think just real quick before, I think that's like a big point to mention is that, you know, that this is a process. This is a journey. You know, we talk about the right. kind of like the finished product of where you're at right now, but you got to got to have a level of patience with it and understand it won't be an overnight thing necessarily. It, it won't. It won't at all. We want it to be. All us coaches want it to be. But it definitely takes time, and it took time to really build that atmosphere and, and build guys that want to do what's best for the team and aren't just worried about their numbers and their stats, and their minutes. And I think we finally got to that point, and this helped. It's made a big difference. Yeah, and and like you said, it, it's it's a journey, right? The the, the whole the whole process it, it take, definitely takes time, and it's not an overnight thing. And and as you've slowly started to um, build your team and kind of get it to the way that you want in terms of the family atmosphere, has as what you've been able to run on the court been able to change at all? Are there things that you're able to kind of run or implement on the court? that you think are either more successful because your team plays as a family or maybe that you wouldn't be able to do if they didn't play as a family? Um, I don't know that there's anything um, in particular that I'm able to run. I think when you have that family atmosphere, I just think it helps. I don't care what you run. I think it, it's going to help all of that run better because part of that family atmosphere is understanding your teammates. So when they're on that court, whatever we're, whatever we're running – when you really understand the guy next to you, teammates understand what they what to look for and 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 who's going to be open. And and even bigger than that, they want to see their teammates succeed. So, you know, in in years past, what I've had is uh, certain players having a great game, um, and uh, he's playing like I, I had this. It's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. I had a kid that was playing well in the game, and I called an isolation play for him couple like a couple of consecutive times because he was just having a great game so after I called it for him a couple of times one of the players comes over coach call it for me too <laughs> why you're he's the one that's having a great game call it for you why just because you just want to score too you know and see <laughs> there that's that's the difference that's the difference like when when when, when it's a family atmosphere and you have that true team bond that player doesn't ask that question he understands this guy's having a great game. I'm enjoying watching him have a great game because that's my brother. I, I don't, I don't want to, well, now it's my turn, you know, and, and I, I stress that to my players in games. I tell them that, you know, I, and these are things I'll point out in practice. Let's say we come down, a guy hits a three, boom. And we come down the next possession, hits a three again, boom. And we come down to the next possession, the guy drives, and the same guy that just hit two threes open and he doesn't pass the ball to him. You know, and I'll stop and point that out. 
This man just hit two threes in a row. Why would we not give him another look to see if he's still hot? Mm-hmm. I said, yep. that's what you got to do, fellas. It can't be, okay, he's hit two threes, so now it's my turn. I tell him, no, it's not your turn. It's his turn, and it's his turn again, as long as he's on. And that's and when and when your team has that family bond, that family atmosphere, they understand that, and, and they want that. And I remember, and I will say this, my first final fourteen, my first job at myself. I always tell the story of this kid because it showed such self selflessness, and it showed when you really want to succeed, what you'll do. We're in the Elite Eight game, and we're up. You know, we're and it's a game. We were most of the state said we would lose to this team by twenty points. If we were twenty point underdogs, we're going to get blown out. They had just they this team was averaging eighty eight points. They had just put up one hundred and one the game before us, and we held them to sixty seven points. But they, it was all about, we're going to get blown out. We don't have enough. We're too slow. We can't do this, that, and the other. So, but we're winning. Fourth quarter, we're up. And I went to, and one of my guards, he was on his sophomore, was having an amazing game. He's coming down. He's just coming down to transition and just, boom, scoring whenever he wants to. So I went to go call a play, a set play. I don't remember what, you know, I went to go. And my point guard leader, senior, he ran over to me and said, no, 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 coach, don't call anything. Let him keep going. This is his game. They can't stop him. I said, okay. And I stepped back, and that's what we did. But that, you know, the, things like that, when you have players that say that, to me, that that shows such selflessness and such leadership on his part. Like, he didn't say, call something for me, coach. Call my number. He said, yeah. my teammate over there is killing, and they can't do anything with him. Let him keep killing, you know. And, and I respect that, that he said that to me. And I let him, okay, I'm not, you know, some coaches, no, run what I said. I'm not that <laughs> <Yeah>. coach. <laughs> I'm not that coach. If you think you see something on that court, and, and he made a good point when he said it, he hit me. I said, he's right. I'm about to overcoach this thing. He's right. This player is is going off. I don't need to call a play just until they figure out a way to stop him. And that's what we did. And, you know, I think that kid ended up with like 17 points in that game. Um, and so those are the type of thing. When, when, when you have a team that does that, when they say, hey, call a play for him, not call my play, call a play for him because they can't stop him. Oh, uh, that's a beautiful thing. And that's a team that's hard to beat. Yeah, and and uh, you bring up a point as an aside, too, with that is it's also, and I've been there, it's uh, very easy to to overcoach in those situations and kind of do the yep. do the the my way or the highway type thing. But then again, I, as I hear that story, it really makes you think and like step back and realize like, man, that's a player who's, you know, saying like, it's not about me right now. Like this is let, let's let's work with this guy who's rolling right now and um, let, let's keep rewarding that because it's going well. And I, and I think that it, it really is a, a lot rarer, um, than maybe sometimes coaches think where, where that happens, especially because I think you said he was a sophomore too. Yeah. The one that was doing all the scoring was a sophomore. The sophomore one that too. said letting keep going was a senior. Like, yeah. And, and I know that those dynamics can get tricky when you got seniors and, uh, you know, underclassmen too sometimes. So to have somebody like that say that, it's like, oh, okay, you, you really have bought in. You, you really exactly. are. And, he, and, and, and another thing about that particular player, and we were in our region tournament, and um, I remember another, this is a retired coach I knew, you know, we had just won the game for the region tournament. And um, he came to me and he said, he pointed at that kid, the senior. He said, coach, that's the head of your snake right there. I said, oh, I know. He said, I can tell. He said, I'm sitting in the stands saying this to people. And they're like, no, nah, you're crazy, man. It's this guy and it's that guy. He said, y'all don't <laughs> see what I'm seeing because the senior wasn't a big score. So he's not scoring all these points. So they're like, well, no, nah, it's this guy. He's a shooter. And this guy's the one that's getting to the basket. 
and he said, I saw what he was doing for y'all. When y'all got out of control, he got the ball, slowed your offense down, got people in position. I said, exactly. I said, those are the things that he does, the plays he makes. He wasn't a college-level player, and he knew he wasn't. He didn't. He wasn't like, man, I want all these offers. He understood his limitations, but he was such a crucial part of our success um, because he was such a great leader, high IQ, and because he accepted his limitations, he got everybody else where they needed to be. And, and when you find selfless players like that, man, not, not surprisingly, this player is a coach now. He's coaching middle school. So it's yeah, not that's kind of how it goes, yeah. He's a coach. It doesn't shock me. And, yeah, it's just that's beautiful when you have that. Well, and I, I think just as another add-on to, to this whole point about, you know, having a team that, that plays like a family and has that atmosphere, um, the fact that you could have a player who's not exactly your, your best player or your most prolific scorer be the one who can settle everyone down. Um, to me, that's huge to have a player like that because, you know, I've been in situations and I know, I know coaches who've talked about, you know, if it's not the best player who's the one doing all the talking, then, you know, sometimes their teammates might shut them out or not really listen because they're not the ones in charge. So to have somebody who's not, necessarily the superstar player but can still like command everyone's attention I think speaks a lot to you know everybody understanding like hey it, it isn't always just about the one who scores the most that's right yeah yeah and it's that's great that's great to see um I wanted to go back to uh something that you said that you tried implementing you said it wasn't it wasn't as uh good as as maybe you you would hoped it would be but I, I thought it was interesting you talked about how you tried to implement um like weekly like character character days, do I got that right? Yeah. Is that is that was something yes. you tried to implement? So yes. what what uh, what what was that like? What was the uh, what what were those days intended to do? So what we did, I, um, we would do <clears throat> two things. I had a, a gentleman that would come from uh, FCA Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Um, he would come and, and do some devotionals and things like that. Um, and his, his portion wouldn't be long. He might be there thirty minutes or so. Then when he finished. I would do team, I would do team building activities. I actually got a book that had like team building activities and I picked out different ones and I would do a different one each week. And we would do that team building activity. Some of the activities are real quick, took a little longer, but I did these to try to build that team chemistry, uh, not let them just bunch up into little groups because there were little clicks on the team. But these yep, two sure. are really close and these three are really close. And I was trying to kind of knock those walls down so that we're all really close. And um, and so we did that literally every single Wednesday for the entire season. Every Wednesday we did that. We didn't we didn't even always get on the court and practice. We might just do that, and go home, and that was it. Like, and I told him because to me that was what was so important. Like we had to get the chemistry, you know, together. And uh, now I haven't. And the crazy thing is, I haven't even done that since then. You know, mm -hmm. I I think I felt that team needed it so much more. And that's why I was so – I stressed it so much. Yeah. You know, so I don't do that now, but I, I, I think I just try to make it a part of what we do every day. You know, we try – we'll do team bonding activity. I try to do something at least once a month, some type of team bonding activity that's not related to basketball, um, to just let them just have fun together, get to know each other and grow as a group. Um, and so that's what I um, – so that's just kind of how I – so I haven't done the character day in a while. Um, and I don't think it's still a good idea. I just hadn't gone back to it yet. Um, but yeah, that's what that's what the intention was, and that's kind of how I how I framed it, how I modeled it. Uh, 
Like it was it was a tough with that first group. <laughs> well, I mean, as, as you said, if that first group they they don't know you and and, and nope. you know you don't know right. them that well and you don't know the situation yeah. that they were in before and and right you know you you every situation that a coach goes in could be different. You know, I, I've seen situations where you know coaches go come in and they're like the third coach in three years and so you know a junior or senior doesn't even trust that, that coach is going to even stick around for more than a year so they're going to test them and everything like that so you know all those situations like you said are different but something else that that you brought up that I thought was interesting is the idea now even what you know your team chemistry and they play like a family but you still emphasize um them doing some some team bonding and getting to know each other and I think it speaks to something that seems to be important to you that you know it's not just about necessarily building that family atmosphere but also like maintaining it and not feeling like it's ever necessarily finished and that there's always room for like the team to grow and get to know each other better and that's that's the sense I'm getting at least yeah it's never yeah I agree that totally it's never done it's never like well we got the family atmosphere so we don't have to do anything like no <laughs> you have to work at it even in your natural blood family, in your house. Like, it, it's not just, I think it's as simple as, well, we look at it like a marriage, all right? I, I don't know if you're married, I'm married. Um, you can't just, all right, we took our vows, so we're married now, so now we don't have to do anything else, we're good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, it doesn't work well, that way. Well, it was that, that easy, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be nice if it was that easy. It's not. That bond has to be nurtured on a regular basis between husband and wife. You can't just be, we're married now, so now we don't even have to really do anything. <laughs> love you have to work at it um same thing with with your family you know your siblings like we, we we try to make sure that we make time in, in our house for our family we'll have family movie nights time we'll be like hey we're just going we're all meet up in the living room and pick a movie and watch a movie together um you have to work at being a family you have to work at maintaining that closeness it doesn't just happen naturally just because you call yourself a family and if we have to do that with our natural families of course you're going to have to do that with uh, a family atmosphere that you're really that you're really trying to create from a bunch of different people, different backgrounds. Sometimes you have a kid on your team that's rich, another one that's dirt poor. You have one that comes from, a, you know, uh, he's uh, adopted, never knew his parents. The other one comes from both parents, loving household. Like, yeah, they're coming from such different backgrounds. So you have to work to build that type of bond. They're they're so different, and it has to be a a, a consistent effort to to build that. And then maintain it once it's there. I, I, I felt coming into this year that this year it wasn't going to be so much of us having to build it because they were already close. But we still needed to, and I told my assistants this, but we still needed to work to maintain it. We can't, I can't sit back as a coach and assume that they're going to stay close just because they started the season close. Because one thing I knew coming in, into this season, the expectations being high. And some of my guys getting a little attention. Well, it's easy for egos and jealousy to, to slip in. So we have to make sure as, as coaches that we don't allow that to happen. Uh, easy, and, oh, this, this guy's the best player. Now, this guy's the best player. He's getting a look from this college. He's getting a look from this college. Now it's easy for guys to go in the game. I need to keep my stats up. I need to get my shots. We don't, you know, uh, we don't tolerate it at all. We're very tough on selfish play. If you're playing selfish, we will sit you down and, and tell you about it. We don't tolerate it at all. You're driving down, two people on you, there's an open man, and you don't pass the ball. They know that they will see the closest thing to the, to the devil come out of me. You do that. Um, so there, it's, it's, you know, unselfish play is demanded in our program. It's not an option. You don't have the option to be selfish and just go get your shots. Well, something I'm glad stress, that you 
that you brought up real quick before I, before I forget is the idea about, you know, you, you try to build um, this family atmosphere and what that, what that atmosphere is going to look like for your program when your program maybe doesn't have a lot of expectations. It's going to be mm -hmm. a little bit different. Like you said, it's going to be tested or it's going to have new expectations placed on it once you start seeing success. And once success has started to be expected of you, there's going to be like new challenges and, and new things that could potentially come up that could disrupt that family atmosphere that like, the foundation that you may have built when your team was up and coming, like you said, constantly needs to be worked at because where, where McDonough is at right now has new challenges that maybe they hadn't experienced before. Absolutely. No, it has to be. Another thing that I think has helped, and I got this also from another coach, and that's why it's great when you have, um, you know, friends who coach, you talk to other coaches. We, um, we rate all of our shots um, – that they take in the game, we rate each player's shots, quality of the shot they take. Mm -hmm. um, you know, from an open layup, the highest rating you can get is an open layup. The lowest rating you can get is a zero if you just shoot some ridiculous shot that we don't know <laughs> where that came from. Um, and so contested shots are rated low. And so we get, I rate all of their shots individually and give them a score after each game. So they can see when they're taking that. Yeah you're being contested when there's two people on you and that brings your rating down and it's no and i because i try to stress to them i only stress what type of shot it is not whether it went in or didn't go in because that doesn't matter mm -hmm. um you can shoot a bad shot and it can go in you can shoot a great shot and it misses it doesn't change what quality the shot was so i try to get them away from shooting contested jump shots a man's all over you and pull up and shoot a jumper in his face when there's an open teammate uh, and to the credit, I have some guys on my team that can make some of those shots. They can. But I don't want them to make that a, a, a steady diet of that. Those are, those are not good quality shots, and, and, and those end up being selfish plays. So you're covered. It's fine. Find your open teammate. It'll be open. It'll get back to you because I'm going to demand the same thing from him. So it's not like, well, if, he, if I give it to him, I'm never going to get it back. You're going to get it back because he's demanded to give it back to you when you're open. Yeah. Um, and so I want you all to see. And one thing they've, they've seen, I show them when I rate the shots, it, it pretty much never fails. The better we, the, the more we win by points wise, usually the better shot selection we took as a team. Um, mm. Games that we lose, that we've lost, and maybe barely won, we didn't play well, or we get, the shot selection is usually lower. Uh, and so they kind of see that. Look, when you guys take bad shots, tough shots, contested shots, we don't win at the same rate we might win but we struggle or we lose when you take great shots we win going away so I'm trying to get them to understand that because that's part of not playing selfish or playing like a family playing like a team I'm not taking bad shots because that means I'm covered so if I'm covered and somebody else is over let me find who or let me find who has the mismatch if I don't have the mismatch who has the mismatch and I try to teach them that with certain plays I'm trying to get them we'll call sometimes we'll call plays and if, as the coaching staff, we might know which side we need to go with this play because we see what the mismatch is. Sure. So sometimes I'll tell them, when we're running this, go to this side. And other times I won't tell them. I want to see, do they see the mismatch? Run yeah. this play. Ask them, see, what, see if they get what's going on. Yeah, and if they don't, sometimes the film, I have to show them. And they'll see it. I say, what side should we have gone to? Uh, we should have gone there because he had this guy on him. Right. But I need y'all to see those things. I can't always <laughs> point it out to you in the game. I need you to know this guy has the mismatch, you know, let's find him. That's part of, you know, that unselfish play. Yeah. And, and 
that's another good, uh, you know, just as a, a, as a brief aside to that, I think in the, in the idea of just like having a family atmosphere is even being able to have those conversations, those honest conversations in a film room, because I know I, I've been in situations before where, you know, teams or players, they dread, you know, getting film or getting talked about their film and looking at how they play or even feeling in a sense that they might be called out on it. But if they trust you and they trust what you're saying and like what you as a coach, your coaching staff is saying is meant to get them to be better players then that shows that there's that that atmosphere of trust that that's built and you can do a lot when that's been established especially in the film room yep mm -hmm. yeah so, and i think go ahead oh, go ahead go ahead oh i uh, don't know no, finish up your point i had a follow-up question to that so go ahead and finish up your point well no and i was just going to say like you know going back to the film room thing like part of that is when when, when players see that everybody's treated equally so mm -hmm. when they see in the film room that i'm you know because i I'm jumping on everybody in the film. Point out every, I'm pointing out everybody's mistakes. Everybody. No one's Everything safe. you did wrong, I'm pointing it out. So they won't feel like, well, this guy doesn't get picked on. I will find something you did wrong, whether it's on the defensive end or on the offensive end. Um, and so they see, oh, there's no favorites. Or there are certain rules I have, and they know there are certain rules I have, and it doesn't matter if you're the last guy on the bench or you're a leading scorer. If there are certain things that get you on the bench, you're on the bench. And when they see that you'll stick by that, they're like, oh, okay, coach means this. And, and he, he won't show favorites. He really will bench whoever if they break this rule. He won't, you know, he'll sit whoever he has to sit. And if we win or lose the game because of it, I mean. He, and, he, and you're going to be worried. tested as a coach to hold yourself to that when it's your best player who's doing that. You're <laughs> you, you do. And that's why, and, and this is God honest truth. When I make certain rules, I ask myself this. When I Like if it's a rule where I say, you know, I ask myself, if my best player breaks this rule, what would I be willing to do? And whatever it is, that's what I make the consequence. Because a lot of times coaches make these rules. If you do this, you're not playing. And then their best player does it. Oh, well, uh, I now they don't want to do it. Them that did it. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have made that the rule then. Because now if you don't stick by it, now your word it's doesn't over. mean anything. Now your players don't trust you. Now it's over. So, All it takes is that one yep. moment. And then you're so done. if I know I wouldn't bench my first my best player for breaking this rule, then I don't make it a rule. It's just that simple. That's just what I that's how I live by. And the other ones I say, I would bench my best player for this. So let me go ahead and add this rule. And I, I now I'm, I'm confident I will stick by this no matter who breaks it. Like you mm -hmm. gotta be able to, you know, do that. Yeah. Yeah. And and just to kind of wrap that 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 up for a coach who's, you know, maybe taking over like a new program like you were. Uh, like you were in that situation, you, if you are taking over a program, you might be taking over for a coach who did break those rules and, and your yeah. players might not have any trust in coaches or not believe anything they say. So, you know, you might not have that buy-in right away and you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to hold to it. But, but if you mm -hmm. consistently hold to it, then they'll know it's like, oh, if that, they're on the bench, well, you know, what, what's my excuse if that person got benched for it? You know, I'm going to be benched if I don't do it. And that happened at my first, my first head job, that, that definitely happened. And I had to, you know, I, I sent a guy home, you know, one day who was one of our best players would have been a starter. But you have to do those things, like, early in the beginning <laughs> when it won't hurt you too bad. You can't wait and let them get away with stuff, and then now you want to try to – you can't do that. Well, you so, can't get it back. <laughs> you can't nope, put it when back. When I got in the door, I said, oh, you don't want to do what you're supposed to do? Go home. And I remember the assistant coach who had been there, he was nervous. He said, I hope he comes back. I said, if he doesn't come back, then he's not the type of player I want. And he, and he did come back. And – uh 
everything was great after that. But sometimes <laughs> you got to send that message. Like, no, I don't know what you used to, but now that's no longer allowed. No. Yeah. And the message got uh, loud and clear, I'm sure, right away. I was like, oh, okay. Well, message, yep. message heard. And then there yep. you go. You've already established it and the way you can go. Now you can move on. Perfect. Yep. Um, what advice, and, and we've actually given uh, throughout here bits and pieces here, but I wanted to address that question formally. What advice would you give to a coach whose team may not be playing as a family or they, they may be um, just be struggling with that whole family atmosphere? What advice would you give to a coach who's going through that sort of situation? Uh, one, you have to be deliberate in trying to get them to become a family. Uh, as I mentioned, you can talk about it. You can say it all you want to. To actually put them in position to become that, such as team bonding events, like I mentioned, letting them do things together as a group outside of basketball, not basketball related, whether it's go, going to the movies, going bowling, playing laser tag. Um, if you want to bring, you know, some coaches bring the kids to their house, some don't, whatever your comfort, comfort level is on that. Um, but something non-related where we're just hanging out and enjoying each other's company. We're not watching film. We're not playing basketball. We're just and helping them to get to know one another, but it has to be deliberate. Um, you can't just hope that you can. You can't just tell them, "Hey, you guys should hang out after practice." Well, they're <laughs> not going to do it. They're not going to do it. You got to make them hang out after practice. You got to make them by doing things as a team, as a unit, and then um, being quick to reward selfless acts. And reward might just be verbal praise. It doesn't have to be you can give them something tangible. It might just be in practice somebody made the extra pass making sure that everybody sees you recognize that, you acknowledge that. That was a selfless play. Thank you. Made that extra pass. Finding the open teammate. Great. Or if you eat, uh, and then quickly condemning the opposite, you see somebody being selfish. Those things, you got to call them out and call them out in front of everybody. That's a selfish play. It's, your teammate was open right here, and you went for your shot anyway, even though he's open. That's selfish. That's not, mm. that's not how we play. Like, those things have to be put out for everybody to see. They'll see, okay, coach doesn't tolerate that at all. He's going to be pretty angry if I don't pass this ball to this open teammate. Or, all right, coach really likes it when you make the extra pass. Okay, like, so everything has to be deliberate. Um, you you got to praise when they do the things that you want. You got to praise them for it. You got to reward them for it. And when they do the things that go against that, you got to make sure that there's a consequence for it, whether it's whatever the kind again, the consequence might just be a verbal correction and have to be they get on the line and that might be if they just keep doing it, it might be like you know what you're not listening so just get over here and, and, and yeah, do something sort it but, out that way yeah <laughs> yeah since i'm telling you and you're not working but it, but that that's the main thing i'll say just be deliberate in enforcing that enforcing them to, to spend time with one another and forcing them to be selfless towards one another um and that's and once you've done that you, you got to kind of hope that it sticks it doesn't always work like i mentioned it didn't always work you know, in the beginning with my teams, but it'll eventually work if you, if you, you know, stick with it. And I, I just want to put a, a quick note on that thought about giving praise and, and curious about, about your thoughts as well. I, I know I've coached players who they don't, they weren't used to getting praise or they like, it, it's something that's completely like foreign to them and just saying like what they did well, or they're telling them they did a good job is like such a shock or surprise to them. I think sometimes we maybe assume that, our players get praise at home or they get recognized for the things that they do. But at least in my experience, I found a lot of players are just genuinely shocked sometimes when they even just get a compliment from me. I th and I think that is true. And, I, and it means more to them than I think they'll even say yeah. when they get that compliment from you, when they get that praise for you, especially when you're tough on them. Um, 
you got to be, I heard this from a coach and I never forgot it. He said, you can only, hold on, I'm trying, I want to make sure I can quote him <laughs> right. It was something, gosh, it had, it had to do with how much you love them. But he basically was saying, you can only be as hard on them as you love them, meaning like the however hard you are on them, you have to love them that same, mm. that same amount. I get uh, it. Yeah. I hate it because he said it way better than I said. <laughs> You'll remember it the second we're done. Be like, oh, no, I will. I'm like, that's what it was. Dang it. I don't know what he said because he, he said it at a clinic and I loved it. But yeah, but, it, but he was basically saying that however, however hard you're on them, you have to love them just that much. Yeah. Um, and so they're more willing to take it when you're hard on them, when you're, when you do yell at them and scream at them. So they'll take it because when they do right, you pat them on the back just as quick. And you tell them great job just as quick and you shout them out and praise them just as quick. Mm -hmm. So they'll take the criticism. They may not like it, but they'll take it. Say, okay, sure. You know, and there are certain players that I'm that way on, but they, and, and certain players I can tell they really need that encouragement. So I really, I give that encouragement to them as much as I can because um, yeah. I know they need it. But yeah, you, 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 you gotta praise them and you gotta love them. And, and honestly, you gotta do that first. They gotta really know that you care. You know, they, they, they have to know that and they got to know that early. Um, and if they, because they don't know that, you know, then then, then building that family atmosphere, they, it's going to go in one ear and out the other. They're like, yeah. you don't care about me. <laughs> you just, yeah, absolutely. You just play uh, basketball. Oh, that, that, what's, what's the phrase that uh, they have to, players got to learn that you care before they care to learn sort That's of right. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know, I know what the same one. Uh, here it is. It. Yes, we got I it. I think this was it. Now, if I'm wrong, somebody probably hit me up like that. <laughs> not what it was. But he said, you can only coach them as hard as you love them. Okay. That was the same. All right. You can, only coach them as, you can only coach them as hard as you love them. So if you only love them a little bit, then you can only be a little hard on them. Mm. But if you if you love them a lot, then you can be really hard on them. Like that's, the, that's what he said. You coach them as hard as you love them. That we did it. We got it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Alrighty, Coach, to wrap up, there's a couple questions I ask every guest, so I'll go ahead and get started here with this first one. Um, thinking back on your coaching career, uh, what is a coaching moment that you think others listening would be able to learn from? Well, I'll tell you one coaching moment that taught me a lot. And this is when, before I became a varsity coach, when I was a JV coach in Cincinnati. And uh, my JV team, we were small. We had, about, I think I had 10 or 8 guys on the roster, but we were small. We were all guards. I had one semi-big player, but he was I'm, I'm only about I'm about six two, and he wasn't even as tall as me. He was our tallest player, so we were not tall at all. And we were playing a team um, who was really even though again it was JV, but their their program was really tough. Like sure, all, their name was Alter, and they actually just to give you a, a idea of how good they were. This is who when LeBron James was a senior in high school. This is the team he played in the state championship game. This is the program. So that, okay. it's that type of program. <laughs> so. My, my team runs out, my eight guys, my eight little guards, and they come out 15 deep, looking like a staircase. <laughs> and it's like 6'5 and 6'6 six, six running out. And my, my thought in my mind, I didn't say it, my thought in my mind was, man, we're about to get blown out. Like, that's what I thought. I said, wow, massive they are. Look at my little team. Like, even though I knew my guards were good, but I was just like, and we came out, we used to run like, I think we ran like a 2 2 1 press. And we jumped all over this team. We're blowing them out. And I'm just like, what the heck is going on? And we were up almost 20 at one point. Now, they came back and tied the game up. And uh, but my shooting guard hit the uh, winning uh, jumper at the buzzer to win the game. 
But the thing was, the difference was my guy, my eight little guards were so confident. They didn't fear that team when they ran out. They weren't impressed by them. They were just, they went and attacked them like everybody else and beat this team. And so that was a moment I never, ever forgot. And it was, it was a lesson for me to never, ever doubt my team and never underestimate my team. And to know that as long as my players believe in themselves, they have a chance against anybody. Because that was the key. That team was just so cocky. They were like the cockiest little guards in the world and just thought they were the best around. Yeah. And when they saw these, these trees run out, they weren't intimidated at all. And I think I even remember making a joke. It was either before, not a joke, I made a comment. It was either that game or another game. We played another really good team. And that team beat us, but it like it took them overtime to beat us. We and I made a comment about if you don't do this, man, they're gonna blow us up. I don't remember my guard laughing at me. It was like, you acting like we can't beat them. Like, and I was uh, like, I'm just saying what you better do. And he was just more like almost shot, like, why is coach acting like we can't beat them? You know, they were so confident. And so I, I that was a lesson I never forgot that don't doubt my team ever. I don't care who they're playing. Mm-hmm. And if, if I can get them to believe. They can believe in themselves. They got a chance. So coaches, like, don't ever doubt your team. I don't care how the odds look. I don't care how good the team is you're playing against. You know, like I told you, my first Final Four team in the Elite Eight, we were supposed to lose by 20 that team. Everybody in the state said we were going to get blown out, and we beat them by 13 points. Like, get your team to believe. And I say it's going to work every time, <laughs> you know, but it, it, it'll do you great favors if you get your team to believe and you, and you believe in them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, that's great. It's like I try to get all the confidence in my players and make them believe. And it's like, oh, I, I should probably believe as a coach, too. I got, I got to do that, right. too, and believe in them as well. No, that's not funny. Awesome. Coach, to wrap up, I give every guest what I call a 60-second soapbox, but I'll never time you. Uh, your platform to get out your final thought, closing message, closing idea, something that you just want to leave the listeners with. So I'm going to go ahead and open up the floor to you, and I'm going to let you take it from here. Just in general, hey, whatever you do, whether we're talking about coaching or whatever it is, just don't let anybody outwork you. That's just kind of my thing as a coach, and that's what I stress to my players. Just don't get outworked. I can deal with in games if we lose to a team because they shoot better or they dribble better or they're more experienced. I can live with all that. My players know I cannot live with being outworked. I can't have it. And As a coach, I don't want any coach to outwork me. I don't want any team to outwork me. But take that lesson to anything. It doesn't have to be basketball. It can be anything you're doing. If it's something you're passionate about, just don't be outworked. In it. Um, and if you continue to put that work in, everything else will eventually take care of itself. Just work, 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 work. Uh, I'm not saying work yourself to death. Yeah, you got to take time to yourself. Yes, you have to take time to family. Obviously, you do. But just don't let anybody outwork you in anything you do. And uh, you'll be surprised the results you get. Absolutely. Well said. Couldn't put it any better myself. Uh, Coach Thomas, I want to thank you for spending some time talking about uh, McDonough, talking about uh, the family atmosphere that, that you and your staff have built there. And the results seem like they speak for itself. So I, I, know, I know your season's been off to a great start. So best of luck. Hope everyone stays healthy and safe and good luck the rest of the way, Coach. Definitely, Coach. Thanks. Same to you. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening. This was another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email 
at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.